Welcome, everyone, to the most specialist of the uh, MHR radio podcast we've done this far. We have Kyle live from New York. The superist, maybe? The super bulliest, maybe? The Broncos are going to the Super Bowl tomorrow, maybe? <laughs> That's actually today. We're, you guys will be reading this on Sunday. The Broncos will be in the Super Bowl today. And um, who are we playing? I don't know. It's not important. The Broncos are going from- to the Super Bowl. <laughs> this is our 24th episode, which makes that the Champ Bailey edition. It's timed perfectly at the very beginning of when we started recording these episodes, that Champ Bailey episode would fall exactly on the stage of the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, we planned this way ahead of time, and we even skipped some weeks and recorded twice some weeks to make sure that we could say, this one's for Champ. You can't have it be the Nick Ferguson edition. It needs to be the Champ Bailey Edition. I can't believe we just talked about Nick, Fer- Nick Ferguson the day before the Super Bowl, or the day of the Super Bowl. We're recording this Saturday night, if you can't tell. We're pumped up for the Super Bowl. Um, Broncos, Seahawks, Denver's seventh Super Bowl, lucky number seven, and hopefully the third one they win. Kyle's been in, uh, in between New York and New Jersey all week. Give us, uh, give us one crazy story, Kyle, just to start us off. No, you're exactly right. I've been. This is the crazy story. I've been in between the two all week. I've been stuck in the tunnel under the Hudson River for the last five days, so it's been. It's, it's, it hasn't been fun. <laughs> it's a uh, yeah. It's definitely New York's hard enough to get around. Um, you know, people people want to talk about in New York how New Yorkers are grumpy, but you look at their commutes and you're like, yeah, you know, they might be a little upset that you're walking slow. They just traveled an hour and a half to get to walk behind you. I hope I never live in the tri-state area. These commutes have been terrible. So I'm staying in a hotel in New Jersey. Most of the press conferences and things are in New York City, and then some of them are in New Jersey too. So they're constantly shuttling the media back and forth to attend all of these events, and it has been ridiculous. Uh, they have police escorts guiding these buses, stopping all traffic so these buses full of media people could go between uh, New Jersey and New York. And in the meantime, just to, just to get to New York to get on those buses, I'm commuting an hour and a half by train and subway, doing all this crap where I'm just like, man, I could be blogging right now. I could be creating something right now, but instead I'm dozing off and missing my stop and spending an extra two hours trying to get home. It's been a, it's been a crazy week that way. <laughs> and then yesterday we, uh, but Kyle got to do. Were you at Google for the for the Terrence Knighton hangout? Yeah, I was. They asked to stay in the shadows. I don't like to talk about the fact that they have a Google Studios, but that's where we were. So they said, just say we're in the studio. Well, yeah, it was Google offices. They have a studio there. And they, they got Terrence Knighton there. I was there uh, and got to meet with him and speak with him quite a bit. Uh, it was amazing of him to do that for us. I know for a fact, after that day of practice he had on Friday, he was tired. Um, he was not in the best you know, optimistic mood to go get picked up from his hotel in New Jersey, be driven back to New York, and have to do another media thing, if you will. But he said, I want to do it for the fans. He said, if it's for the fans and it's fan questions, I'll be there. And it was, and it was amazing. He answered all the fans' questions. He had a lot of fun. Uh, the Hangout was amazing. It's on milehighreport.com right now. Check out NHR Hangs Out with uh, Pot Roast. And got to thank Pot Roast again for taking the time to do that. And he's been on, he's been on Google Glass all week kind of updating you know fans with with exclusive stuff you know he's getting he's got his glasses on he's on the team airplane with peyton manning he's on the team airplane talking to champ bailey you know he's he's 
he's a player, so he's got access that no one would ever have outside of, of just that. So check out his videos um, when you get a chance if you haven't already. Yeah, and I, week. I really liked the um, the several snapshots he took of the Broncos playbook too. The in depth look at that. That was no, just kidding. <laughs> he, would never, <laughs> he would never do that. He's not. He's not B.J. Williams. Uh, right. <laughs> Um, it's been a big week for, for Majar, though. Everyone's pumping out content. Mike, uh, Tim, you, uh, Scotty, everyone's got something something great to offer. We've, we've John, Brian, yeah. Everybody on the staff did an amazing job these past two weeks. There's been um, anything you want to know about that game, about this game today, is, is has been covered, likely. Uh, there's some stuff that's even popped up that, for whatever reason, it's kept kept secret the whole season like um something that popped up this week was how john elway kind of kind of gave the team the business after that preseason week three loss to the seattle seahawks he, he came in and and handed everybody uh i don't know how to put it politely <laughs> he chewed them out he did he chewed them out he chewed up some pot roast and or maybe he chewed up some rump roast and spit out a pot roast i mean he molded this team into what it is um John Elway was not impressed by that 40 to 10 loss to the Seahawks, and really looked in shape. It was that was a rough game too. That was the game we lost Champ Bailey for most of the season. That was the week he got hurt. It was just a brutal game the last time the Broncos played the Seahawks. So let's let the revenge tour 2013 continue, shall we? <laughs> that game, if you'll remember, was um, if you saw the preseason game. Some of the out of market fans may not have seen it. Ronnie Hillman had like a fumble on the goal line that turned into like a 90-something, 96-yard, 97-yard fumble recovery for a touchdown. Uh, Peyton had, I don't remember how many. Oh, three interceptions, something like that. Yeah. And then Ronnie Hillman ended up, I think, with two fumbles, and the third one would have, was literally a fumble, but it didn't get called a fumble. So he had three fumbles in the game. That may have been the game that got Ronnie Hillman placed to the back of the, of the bus. Uh, and, and allowed for the emergence of Sean Moreno this season. So, so some good things happened out of that game. Some bad things happened out of that game. Um, this is not a home game for either team. You mean Ronnie, been in, Ronnie Hillman? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. So one thing maybe you've noticed, uh, Kyle, in Denver they're talking about how there seems to be an abundance of Seahawks fans as opposed to the Broncos fans in, in New York. In New York. I yeah. can't. I can't disagree with that. Actually, yesterday, I mean Friday, when I was there, I heard from people that a lot more Broncos fans showed up today, and I see more Broncos fans in my hotel. I've run into Broncos fans. I've run into about five or six different Broncos fans just in the lobby and hallway of my hotel since yesterday. But in New York City, it's been more Seahawks fans. There were my my car, the train car on the way home last night was full of like a big group of Seahawks fans. We all ran into Jeff Fiegels, the old Eagles punter. He won a Super Bowl with the Giants. He was there. He was a really nice guy. Um, he got recognized, and it was kind of fun watching him sign kids' autographs the whole trip home. And that made my commute pleasant. At least he was a nice guy. <laughs> um, but, but I would say New York City, almost two to one Seahawks fans the Broncos fans, as much as that hurts to say. I, I want to see Broncos fans represent over here. And hopefully it's uh, better tonight. I should head to New York City tonight after we're done recording this podcast this Saturday night. And then uh, perhaps tomorrow as well before I head on the media bus to the big game. The two uh, Broncos prep rallies that I know of, one was Thursday night 
or sorry, Friday night, one of is Saturday night, um, Von Miller made an appearance at a, at sidebar where we had, uh, that's where T-Bowing was invented. So Von Miller went to the place where T-Bowing was invented to record an episode of uh, Man vs. Food, I believe, um, which had a huge, huge Broncos turnout. There's there's a big Broncos community within New York already, and I think that might be what to attribute to maybe the, the lack of Broncos fans, just because the Broncos fans aren't wearing their jerseys, they're not wearing their hats because they're actually at work, <laughs> commuting from work. I think that this this there's probably no real uh, chance that it's a Seahawks home game for the for the Super Bowl, and and. Really, that's their only chance of winning is if it turns into some type of home game, in my opinion. Do you have? Um, it's not going to. It's not going to be a home game for either team because over ninety percent of these tickets are bought by corporations and people who don't really have a vested interest in either team. It's the Super Bowl. This is a neutral game. It'll always be a neutral game. The only way it would never become a neutral game is if you know the the city that was hosting the Super Bowl happened to have team represented in it, then they might have an advantage, but that hasn't happened yet. So if you ever went to like your brother's house and had like an arm wrestling competition, would you expect to have someone of the home home team advantage? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not even kidding. I've been, I've been at, have you ever arm wrestled someone that you didn't like? Have you ever, I mean, you have friends behind you, like rallying you. That helps. I've been in that situation. Where we were, we arm wrestled for the pool table because we couldn't decide. There was like two groups of guys and we were pissed. So I arm wrestled someone and I won. And my friends were cheering me on in the background. So, yeah, it helps. I, I, I felt that energy and I got angry and won. Three, three players in the Broncos. It will be somewhat of a home game. That's no, we mentioned this last podcast. No, Sean, actually, this, we mentioned it in a podcast that did not air. No, Sean Moreno, Robert Ayers, Mike Adams are all from New Jersey. Um, Mike Adams has has decreed that he will walk home 12 miles to Patterson, New Jersey. That's crazy. <laughs> I would expect there to be a large amount of Broncos fans uh, following him. If, if I hope so. Him. I mean, I'll walk him home. I'll walk What's Mike up? Adams home if he does that. <laughs> He's just, hi, Mrs. Adams. Uh, we're here for dinner. <laughs> We've walked a long way. <laughs> How do you let a Denver Bronco who wins the Super Bowl go home by himself? He's going to have to wrong with Broncos fans, like, driving behind him, like, hey, come on, get in that car. You know you want to ride home. Come on, Mike Adams, Super Bowl champion. Come on. <laughs> uh, one issue, and I don't know, Kyle, if, if you knew about this or not, the the injured Broncos kind of – there was a there was an issue that popped up today about them feeling a little left out. The, the, we're talking about, like, Brian Clady, Von Miller – uh, Chris Harris. Chris Harris, though, he's like a week 16 injury. Like, that guy got – put the Broncos in the in Super Bowl. They're, they're, got here. they're here. I hadn't heard that there were any bad vibes. I talked to some bron- other Broncos players about it. They were excited to see, you know, Vaughn and Chris Harris. Ryan Clady flew himself out earlier in the week. They were here. They just weren't here from the beginning. What did they really miss? They missed media day. They missed the, the real nutso stuff. It's probably a good thing. They have to spend more time with their families. I don't know. I, I didn't. I didn't think it was as big of an issue as USA Today made it out to be. We have um, the Broncos practice in pads on was it Thursday or Wednesday? 
I can't remember. They might have practiced both. I know they did Wednesday. For the most part, they were practicing outdoors at Hofstra University. They did an indoor practice on Thursday, and they tried to get back outdoors for Friday, and then today, of course, walk through their outdoors. So they're practicing outdoors for the most part um, every game. As far as matchups go for the upcoming game, we're looking at uh, Percy Harvin, Champ Bailey, possibly. Oh, Percy Harvin. Well, I mean, Champ never lines up against the same person. He's never done it. It's the same thing with Richard Sherman. You don't expect your number one corner who just kind of stayed on the left side to match up against only one person. So you don't expect Percy Harvin to see any one person. I expect Dominic Rogers Cromartie. He's a little faster. His specialty is, you know, protecting the deep ball. I, I see Percy Harvin lining up against DRC more than chance. DRC is our number one corner now. And one factor that's kind of come up in on Twitter as a possibility is for those of you who are betting or gambling, um, Trenton Holiday has become a popular name amongst people who believe that he may be like the X factor or possible Super Bowl MVP. Like the game could change on Trenton Holiday. He's just one of those guys that hasn't done, you know, he's capable of doing it, but hasn't done it all season. And I can't imagine the Seahawks spent a ton of time worrying about the Broncos kickoff returner. I I have lost faith in Trenton Holiday. I have. So if he makes any difference, it'll be a pleasant surprise. I'm certainly not banking on it. Um, we talked about poor Chap earlier. He... Is he the key to the Ooh. Broncos? I went back to Doug and Patty Mayonnaise and called him Pot, pot Roast. <laughs> He's the uh, Pot Roast. You're a friend of the program. We are so sorry. You don't like the nickname Pot Roast. You're not in love with it anyway. Uh, but what did he call? I, don't, I don't think he'd like pork chop anymore. What did he call himself yesterday? He, was, he made a really funny joke when you were hanging out with him. Um, he was like fettuccine Alfredo shrimp or something. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if you if you heard him tell the story, uh, it, the story behind his nickname is it was back on a team plane when he was with the Jaguars, facing the Seattle Seahawks, actually. He's on the team plane, and everyone's asleep, and the stewardess is like, pot roast, pot roast. And he says, yeah, and he raises his hand. And that's how he got the nickname. <laughs> <laughs> little, little event is how he got the nickname. And he always jokes. He, I've actually heard him say this joke about five times this week. And he's just glad he didn't, you know, order the shrimp Alfredo that day, because then that name stuck. It. <laughs> he could have gotten. He could have just as easily been shrimp Alfredo. Yes. So uh, yeah, uh, pot roast is huge, and I mean that literally and figuratively. He's. I, I'm. I'm usually the biggest man in any given room. I'm six four, over two thirty. Um, I'm a big boy. And pot roast made me look like a weenie. I mean, he really did. He made me just look – guy is huge. And it's awesome to be next to him and knowing that he's someone who can take up two NFL blockers. Uh, and he can, and he will. He is the key to Denver's defense. Taking up two offensive linemen is huge, and he still finds a way to get through. We all saw a four-quarter sack on Tom Brady. Um, Pot Roast is going to eat up some Skittles tomorrow. Marshawn Lynch doesn't stand a chance. I'm all about Pot Roast. I'm all about the Broncos' defense. If the Broncos win on Super Bowl Sunday, the defense will play a huge part. 
Right. It'll be a bunch of guys that you haven't really heard from most season, I think, uh, in a Broncos victory that will come through. It'll be guys like um, Terrence Knight, and it'll be guys like Mitch Anrein, Paris Lennon, Tony Carter, Mike Adams. Like These are the names that you'll hear a lot on Sunday if the Broncos are winning. Those will be the guys that are making making a difference. Um, Tony Carter, I don't know, I don't, there was an interview, uh, Danny Trude, <laughs> uh, there's a there's an um, interview with the Broncos wide receivers coach. I don't remember his name off the top of my head right now. He was asked who would be the person that you would key on or who would be the, the secret guy on the Broncos defense if you were the opposite team that you would be worried about. And he actually mentioned Carter, which would be a surprise to anyone who's seen Tony Carter play this season. <laughs> Carter gets a lot of props from his teammates. He got the big props from Chris Harris, who said, you know, Tony Carter should fill in for me. And the wide receiver coach says that. And Tony Carter wasn't bad last year. He's had good games this year. He played well in the AFC Championship game. He had a role, and he played it well. We dominated the Patriots. The Broncos destroyed Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, and the defense was a huge part of that win. Uh, they were shut out through three quarters. Uh, you, you, you can put your faith in Tony Carter and feel pretty good. And you mentioned the New England Patriots. Bill Belichick had an interview on two, on Wednesday, I'm sorry, with Mike Lupica of the New York Daily News. And he, he talked exclusively about Peyton Manning uh, the entire interview and, and just basically said the only way you could possibly beat Peyton Manning is how the San Diego Chargers did it in the regular season. You just keep them off the field. There's not any other way to do it. And and Newman can never get together. He, you know, he's, he's Belichick says it's almost impossible to beat Denver with the with the lead. He referred to them as a front running team, and not in an insulting way. So and warned, you know, in a way, the Seahawks that if, you know if the Broncos get ahead, it's, you're not going to be able to catch him. You know, it's interesting that Bill Belichick said all those things because, well, he had an amazing comeback against them in Week 12. Were you up 24 nothing, something like that? And yeah. They ended up winning. Yeah. So it's interesting that he said that. Um, I think the opposite, they're a team you can never count out. They had a lot of come from behind wins this year. Uh, the Redskins game comes to mind where they were damn big in the fourth quarter and then they just scored 28 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, so oh, yeah. He, he wasn't saying, he wasn't insinuating. He, was, he literally said, look, Peyton's not going to get nervous if he's behind, but you're not going to beat the Broncos if they're ahead. So. In other words, the Broncos are going to win, period. That's what I like to hear, Bill. <laughs> um, and then I can't remember which linebacker in Seattle made a reference to the pick plays the Broncos were running and how they would you know, demolish someone who tried to do that to them. I mean, well, Bobby the Wagner. I talked to him. I don't, no, no, I asked Bobby Wagner. Yeah. And then I wrote the story on Mile High Report. It was uh, published Thursday. And it just said that the Seattle Seahawks are not fearing the Broncos' offense. Um, it was my attempt, and I mean, I, sometimes you publish something. This is, this is what the Google guys said. The Google, the Google guys were talking about how the Terrence Knighton um, hangout went, and they were saying, man, we wish we'd have done a couple of things a little better. I mean, I'm thrilled with the way it came out, but you know, they're Google, they're perfectionists. I'm a perfectionist, too. And, man, after I published that story, I wish I would have, I wish I would have crafted it better. And what I would have loved to say is really what I was trying to communicate was, the Seattle Seahawks are not trying to give away any of their strategy. They're not trying to give away any of their game plan. Every response they get to the media is BS, and you have to read between the lines. Well, that's what I was trying to do with that article. I was trying to read between the lines little statements, little things in between the main sentences between guys like Bobby Wagner and Michael Bennett and Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman and Coach Pete Carroll 
and find what they were planning to do. And what they were planning to do is to hit the Denver Broncos receivers. This is what their plan is. The rub routes, the pick routes, the short, almost illegal routes that Broncos run, where they're contacting the defensive back to get another player open, that's illegal if you don't do it well. The Broncos do it very well. Well, they're just going to hit him back. That's, that's what two of different guys said, Earl Thomas and Bobby Wagner said. You know, we're expecting it. We see the way they line up. We know it's coming. And when we know it's coming, we can just hit them back and knock them off their route. And what else is interesting about that? In Super Bowl history, defensive pass interference is called about 50% less than in any other game. Any playoff game, any regular season game, the refs let them play. They don't want to call defensive pass interference. So if that's true, that definitely benefits the Seahawks, and they know it. Chris, Chris Collinsworth, um, during the AFC Championship game, said something, and he got a lot of, a lot of uh, guff for it on Twitter when he said it, but I thought it was genius. He said, my advice to receivers is to be the first offensive player to get pass interference. If they're going to play you like that, be the first player to get pass interference called on you. Don't take it from the, from the defensive and or the defensive backs, push them just back just as hard as they're pushing you. Get open, make someone call it on you. Once it's called, okay, fair game. But but until it's called, just keep giving it right back to them. And I agreed with that. The, the, the Patriots, I can't imagine the Seahawks are going to play the, the Broncos receivers any different than the Patriots did. There were some plays, if you go back and watch the AFC Championship game, the first quarter, Julius Thomas lost a touchdown because his arms were being held down by, by a defensive back. So I, I can't imagine what else can the Seahawks do that the Broncos haven't had done to them in the last, you know, two, three, four, five, six weeks. And another team trying to stop the Broncos. That's true. I think the Broncos have learned that's what teams are going to do, and they've been countering it. The Patriots played the Broncos extremely physically. We all know about the comment that Belichick said regarding Wes Welker's hit on Akib Talib. The ridiculous comments that you know it was intentionally just trying to knock him out of the game. It was the worst worst play. Bill Belichick had ever seen. It was a legal play. It was perfectly legal to make contact at the point of, uh, was it Demarius Thomas? Demarius Thomas yeah. touching the football. He didn't catch the football. It's another story. But, <laughs> but there was nothing wrong with that play. There was nothing wrong with it at all. And that's because the Broncos have gotten good at timing those picks. You can pick an offensive player once the ball's been touched by a receiver. Mm-hmm. The Broncos are good at it. Timing. They've been running it. This is the 30 whatever week in a row that they've been running those plays. So they've got their timing down, thank God. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's, um, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk exclusively about. Uh, we're going to get back more on the X's and O's, actually, because this is really interesting. So we'll see you in just a minute. Trouble. We just come here to do the Super Bowl show. This is Speedy Willis, and I'm world class. I 
I like running, but I love to get the pass. I practice all day and dance all night. I gotta get ready for the Sunday fight. Now I'm as smooth as a chocolate swirl. I dance a little funky, so watch me, girl. There's no one here that doesn't like me. My Super Bowl shuffle will set you free. Speaking during the break, um, Jan gives a little glimpse of his Super Bowl final score prediction, which he'll have for you in just a bit. If you'll remember, he famously... I can't believe you're still failing at math, Jan. Figure out your math, dude. You can't win by four points in overtime. You can't win by four points in overtime. Kyle and Jan's day jobs both revolve around at least being astute at mathematics, so it's it's funny that <laughs> to hear Kyle call run out on math. <laughs> yeah, I have to count the bottles as I go through the factory in the conveyor belt. So math. So um, Jan, happy New Year. <laughs> He's waving to the camera. And uh, as as most of you will know, January 31st kicked off uh, the Chinese New Year. This year it's the Year of the Horse. John, uh, John Fox got asked about the being year of a horse at uh, press conferences, I think two or three times this week. I don't know that he cared. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't care. But that's funny. He's a superstitious guy. That's the funniest thing. Did we already talk about that on the podcast? I, I, you brought it up, but you should finish it. No, I mean, I know that he and Peyton Manning are both superstitious guys this week. Their preparation is as identical as it can be uh, to the way it was done in the playoffs. Uh, the team meetings and everything like that are done exactly the same way as they were uh, before the divisional game and the championship game. And they're just as superstitious as fans. They'll wear the same clothes, uh, all the same stuff that fans are treating us about. It's hilarious. <laughs> Who, was it you or was it – It's not you're not the one that was sitting below. I think it was a friend of mine um, who actually works for – Broncos, who's who's in the room below, Peyton Manning. It wasn't you, right? I have no idea what you're talking about right now. Tell okay. me, tell us your story. <laughs> a friend of mine is in the was it was in the room uh, below Peyton Manning. The Broncos changed team hotels uh, day um, from the team in the hotel that they've been at all week. They changed to a different one. But I don't have any other stories that are that are shareable from <laughs> from that point on. But someone was below Peyton Manning. Uh, room and it seemed like an interesting place to be i can't imagine the the weight that was above your head when you uh have the the quarterback above your <laughs> just, imagine, just imagine who was under terrence knighton that's weight <laughs> so we got back to x's and o's um mike bronco mike from the mile high report uh in contribution with, with several other members of, of mile high report have been um, doing these kind of like these one-on-one articles where they're talking about very specific things, players, schemes, and what what the topic of the week has been has been the Seattle Seahawks cover three defense. And they don't try to hide it. I mean, that's that's their almost core package, and they don't hide it at all. They do nothing to disguise their coverage. They say, "Here we are. Throw it at us if you dare." Yeah, and I, I mean, I just. The cover three, yes, it'll stop Demarius Thomas likely from, you know, catching a, a ball 40 yards down the field. But that's not what the Broncos do. Not often. You know? I mean, I mean they, they will go for the deep shot. I think the two players that make the Seahawks defense go the best, neither of them are named Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman's good, but he's not the key to the Seattle's defense. 
those two players are the nose tackle, Mabane. He's a huge force right in the middle. And then the safety, Earl Thomas. Those two make the Seahawks defense go. Those two are the key to Seattle's defense. And if the Broncos can possibly neutralize Mabane with one blocker, they will have a huge advantage. If that, that, That'll be hard. I'm not sure they can do that. If the Broncos can play it carefully around Earl Thomas, um, they'll be good. If, if they challenge Earl Thomas, they'll be in trouble. That's the thing for the, for the I guess for the Broncos to be aware of, and I'm sure that they are at this point. Is like the great defenses in the NFL currently are not centered around a linebacker or a cornerback. They all have these incredible safeties. I think the Broncos possibly knew it. They, I mean, they've invested a lot of draft picks into safeties. They've raised, you know, the the, the homegrown Dukey and Nacho. Um, they've brought in people, Michael Huff, at the last minute. To, you know, they, they they obviously understand the necessity for a strong safety. They just don't have it right now. Uh, Earl Thomas, too. We covered that story last week. Earl Thomas was a draft pick from 2012 that Seahawks acquired by – trade from the Broncos who Broncos used that to select half of Alfonso Smith. So, I mean, they, they traded their third round pick plus a second round pick in 2012 to trade up into the 2011 draft and take Alfonso Smith. Instead, they could have just sat where they were and taken old Thomas the next year and been extremely better off. Was that, I mean, Pete Carroll mentioned in the, in the joint press conference between him and John Fox, that the Broncos team was built around quote-unquote superstars, whereas the Seahawks were built around drafted talent, and Carroll continued on that. It would be interesting to see who won the Super Bowl based off that. I don't know if that's fair. Were you, were you there for that one, pal? I don't know if I was there for that one, but I heard the quote. Honestly, I, I think that's kind of fair. The Broncos have been knocking it out in free agency. They haven't gotten a lot of stars in the draft since, I mean, Vaughn. Von Miller was kind of the last superstar they drafted that I can think of right off the top of my head. And, you know, it's been free agency. It's been the Wes Welker and the Louis Vasquez and, you know, Peyton Manning that I mean, has really built this team. I, I kind of dis- I mean, if you look at the who's who of the Denver Broncos, yeah, Pey- you can't go without mentioning Peyton Manning. You can't go without mentioning Champ Ailey, who was, who was a trade, you know, even though it was 12 years ago. But Demaris Thomas, Notion Moreno, Eric Decker, you name them, they were not – traded for or signed to free agency there's, there are some guys like i don't know where we would be without luis vasquez or or um Wes welker or terrence Knight or dominic rogers Kamari. Those, those are four huge contributors this year and they the, came and they came in just in time because the broncos with the same record they did a year ago they just had a lot more injuries this year a lot more injuries this year than they did in, in 12. but then you look over at the Seattle seahawks you know they got cliff averill Free agent Percy Harvin, free agent Percy Harvin did not contribute. Well, he was a, he was a draft pick trade. He was not a contributor they, to their Super Bowl season this year, but he could be a major contributor to the Super Bowl. That's amazing. <laughs> they made it to the Super Bowl without their first round draft pick, who was supposed to be a win now pick. That's pretty impressive. The Seahawks have been drafting out of this world. They've been getting such amazing. They they've just home run pick after home run pick. Earl Thomas, Russell freaking Wilson. These guys are second and third round picks who, if we were to draft over, do over, would be top five, maybe top Bobby, one. You, you could say Russell Wilson should go ahead of Andrew Luck right now. You could make the argument. It could be made. And, and Bobby Wagner, 
another guy got drafted post like the the two guys that got drafted post Brock Osweiler, Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson. I mean, who knows if the Broncos have gone a different route with that draft pick. <laughs> we might not be playing the Seahawks. They're starting the Seahawks are starting their right guard. I can't remember his name right off the top of my head. Their starting right guard was a seventh round draft pick from a year ago who was a defensive lineman. So they just they're finding talent all over the place. It's been remarkable. And kudos to them. They did it through the draft. That's that's a great way to do it because then they can spend money on the toys that Pete Carroll wanted. Pete Carroll wanted toys on defense and he got them. Mm-hmm. And Richard Sherman, he was a college wide receiver that turned into a cornerback yep. because because he couldn't cut it as a wide receiver. I don't know that Richard Sherman's going to have much to do with this game. I don't think Peyton's necessarily going to avoid him. I don't think that Demarius Thomas or Eric Decker or whoever lines up with Richard Sherman is going to destroy him. I just think he's not going to be able How often is a cornerback that much of your defensive game plan? It just, it, you know, it, it's, it's not. It's been since, I mean, with the Broncos, really, with Chan Bailey back in the 2005-ish years, the player was such the focal point of a defense. Yeah. Terrell Ravis with the Jets, he was a focal point of their defense, their, their building block. And I, I wouldn't even say it, is that Richard Sherman is the most popular because he blew up next to Aaron Andrews a week ago. He's not, <laughs> he's not the what makes that defense go. Earl Thomas, Brandon McBain are those guys. One, one player we just barely mentioned um, who actually got the Broncos screamed at during that preseason week three uh, loss was Bobby Wagner, who who took out had a kind of a vicious hit on Peyton Manning. One of those like, oh my God, is he going to get it? Okay, he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby Wagner, middle linebacker for the Seattle Seahawks. It's I don't know. The defense is not as good. And if you feel like they're they are as good as you think they are, go back and watch the Houston Texans play the Seattle Seahawks or the Cardinals. Uh, Carson Palmer tore that secondary apart. Yeah. I just don't think I, – I mean, yes, media needs something to talk about. Uh, they need to go after the underdog. They need to hype this or that. They have to have a a, a different stance than what the public believes or else they're not going to have the ratings. But I just don't feel like the Seattle Seahawks have what it takes to beat the number one offense of all time. Well, if they beat this this offense, they'll have a big piece of pie toward that argument. <laughs> I think uh, the, the way the – Let's talk about the way the Broncos lose this game. Well, let's play scouting. Let's let's put ourselves in the Seattle Seahawks shoes. In my opinion, the only way the Broncos lose this game is the same way that the Patriots lost the Super Bowl in 2007 and well, 2011. The way any great offense loses a championship game for defense. Do you know what I'm about to say, Ian? No, go go in. Pressure. You pressure the heck out of Peyton Manning. You get in his face nonstop. That is what the Giants did in 2007. That offensive line of the Patriots was the best all year, and then Justin Tuck and company went to 10. They demolished the offensive lineman, ate him for dinner, ate him for Super Bowl dinner. They were eating them for the entire offseason. It was ridiculous how dominant the Giants' defensive line was in both those games. I've argued strongly many times that Justin Tuck should have been the MVP in both games. Eli Manning didn't really do anything in the last but it was really all about that defense. And that is what the Seahawks will need to do to beat Peyton Manning. That is the only way they will beat Peyton Manning. They are not going to 
trick him into throwing a stupid football more than once or twice. If they if they're able to do that, I'll be amazed. They don't do anything complex with their coverages. They don't do anything like that. They they're very talented. They're very tall and they're very talented. Very fast. Very athletic. They're a hard group of guys to throw on. But Peyton Manning is the best thrower that the NFL has ever seen. So there's no reason to believe that he can't beat them. The only way he loses is if they just bring the pressure nonstop and they get past guys like Chris Clark and Manny Ramirez, guys who are starting at this level in that position for the first time in their careers and haven't maybe been tested enough. If I'm the Seahawks, I get Chris Clark everything I can think of as far as blitzes, as far as variety of moves, bull rush, stunts, all sorts of pressure packages to get to Peyton Manning. Yeah, and, and you mentioned you know the, the newer guys, even Orlando Franklin. The last time Orlando Franklin faced Cliff Averill was uh, when Averill was a um, Detroit Lion, and that was the Tebow season, and Orlando Franklin got Tebow blown up. I think Averill had maybe two, possibly three sacks that game. So it's not just – yes, I mean, the Broncos have it in for them, and the, those seasons that you mentioned, that the New York Giants were basically starting for defensive ends, which is – sort of similar to what Seahawks are doing. Seahawks have a little more pressure coming up the middle um, and, and with a nose tackle. And if you talk to the Seattle Seahawks, they all want to brag about their, you know, their, their famous nose tackle, their famous defensive tackle. I don't know that he's, that they're, that they're going to have much trouble rushing Peyton Manning. What I do think is that they're going to have time. They're going to not have time to get to him before Peyton gets the ball off, whatever, means necessary. Um, I don't know that that's, the, right that's the key. I mean, they have to get get to Peyton before he gets rid of the ball, and he's very good at getting rid of the ball quickly. That's why they have such a tough task. I, I also, I think I missed, well, I can't remember which game I was talking about, but it wasn't the Cardinals game. When the Cardinals beat the Seahawks, it was because of their defense. Carson Palmer threw like four interceptions that game. I lost my brain for a second. I'm trying to remember which game I was thinking of, looking at the Seahawks schedule here. But the, the, their secondary has been beaten this season. Look at uh, people want to talk about the Saints game, the, the Seahawks Saints game. They think uh, I think the, the fan argument has been that the Saints scored most of their points in garbage time. No, if you watch that game, it did. It was not a clear victory for the Seahawks uh, until the end of the game, and and the Saints offense is good, but you know I, I'll give you a dollar if you can name two of their receivers that aren't Jimmy Graham. And that, that's where I think the, the key to the game is, is with, you know, Julius Thomas. We're going to get into, you know, who, who we think our MVPs will be. I guess we should get into that now. I called Trendon Holiday as being kind of a popular pick as of Saturday for MVP. Um, I think I would go with Julius Thomas. You got, you know, the, the key down West Walker, the key down Eric Decker, the key down Demarius Thomas. Who's covering Julius Thomas? So you're talking about second MVP right now? Like, like Yeah, we're doing – Because Peyton Manning is my MVP if the Broncos win, and I can't imagine it being anyone else. I mean, it could be. I mean, maybe the defense just makes an incredible play, just a type play from Pot Roast or from Sean Phillips or someone. But even then, just because the MVP is such a quarterback-happy award, it's going to go to Peyton Manning. You can't really imagine any scenario, can you? No, no. Um, he can't. It's you know it's the Denver Peyton Manning's on offense. I don't I can't imagine if, if Peyton Manning is injured. God forbid, knock on wood, twelve times uh, that Brock Osweiler is leading these guys to, 
So we agree. We agree. Well, we're going to get Yawn into this too. Let's let's predict the Super Bowl. Shall we? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Super Bowl 48 predictions. We both, Ian and I, pick Manning to win MVP. Yawn, who do you have for your Super Bowl 48 MVP? I have, um, I have, I'm, in, I'm visualizing a different game tomorrow. Than, I'm thinking it's going to be uh, a running game, so it's going to be no Sean Moreno. Whoa, as your number one MVP is no Sean Moreno. Yep. In his last game as a Denver Bronco, that yeah. would be something. I'm thinking he's going to, I'm actually going to, I believe he's going to probably score three touchdowns and tie, tie the NFL Super Bowl record. Whoa, that would be huge. He would, the Broncos would have to resign him if he scored three touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Don't you think? <laughs> It'd be too expensive at that point. Like, there's no way. He's getting Adrian Peterson money if he scores three touchdowns. If he, if he scores three touchdowns, he did it from 20 yards out a couple of times because the Broncos will throw it in around the end zone. They've done that very well all year. It scores touchdowns for them, so they will try to throw it. So the only way I see that happening is if Nusha Marino breaks through and gets a couple of 15-yard, 20-yard runs into the end zone going, or maybe like a big 60-yarder. If that happens, yeah, I could see John's prediction coming true. I can't imagine. I mean, John Fox is such a, you know, he talked about tradition and he talks about statistics. I can't imagine he's not going to try and run the ball up the gut a bunch just to see, you know, what's what to, you know, test the, the defense at least. If you're running a cover three, you essentially have, you know, you're 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 hoping your front four are are stopping the, the ball, and if they're able to exploit a weakness somewhere with five linemen on four defensive linemen, well, they may Leon may be right. Yep, that's Tom's prediction. We're going with Peyton Manning. That being said, the reason I asked this was I kind of assumed everyone would pick Peyton Manning. Good for you, Leon. But the next question is, who's your second MVP? If there was like a co MVP, there was, uh, you know. Sidekick of the year. You're robbing to your Batman. Uh, the Broncos win. Peyton Manning's your MVP. Who's your second MVP? Who's who's the next biggest playmaker, the next biggest factor to the win? I want, a, I want an offensive one and a defensive one because there's one on defense I really want to talk about. But, um, yeah, I already mentioned George Thomas. Like he, he is the X factor. If they don't cover him with some type of safety or corner, he's going to eat a linebacker for lunch. I don't even know what X factor means. I've been, asked, I've been asked who my X-Factor is for the game like five different times on the radio this week. Every time I like BS and just name some guy who's like a playmaker not named Peyton Manning. I don't know what X-Factor means. What the hell does that mean? It goes back to algebra. <laughs> to solve, solve for X. Well, I just yeah, count no. bottles at the factory. I don't do any complex math. <laughs> your, X, your X is your, your, uh, your questionable number that you, that you haven't figured out yet. I think that's what, that's what I figured it was. The X-Factor was... Some were not covering enough, and he's going to make a big difference, and we weren't counting on it. That's kind of what I think is an X factor. I don't know how, any other way. I'm your X factor though is Julius Thomas, so that's yeah, that tells me something, I guess. My X factor, my my co MVP, my second place MVP is going to be Wes Welker. Um, I think he's going to make a couple of key first downs for the Broncos this time. And man, I'm kind of nervous saying that because he. Boston fans are rolling their eyes right now <laughs> after that drop in the Super Bowl. He needs to redeem himself a little bit uh, in Super Bowls. He needs to win one. And I, I think he'll have a game where he'll be a difference and he would be my co-MVP. At least Peyton Manning's not married to Giselle. Can you <laughs> Peyton Manning can't, catch, can't throw the ball and catch it. Oh, 
<laughs> who's your who's your don't say Peyton Manning on? Who's your second uh eliminated Peyton Manning? <laughs> say whoever wants. Who's your second place MVP? Second place MVP, um if the um the game the game plan for me is to stop the run. So I'm gonna have to say Terrence Knighton. Pot roast. <laughs> I was hoping somebody would pick pot roast. Yeah, I think if if they stop the run, they're gonna make um, Wilson throw more, and I, I'm I honestly don't think um, that he's gonna beat us with his arm. There's no way. Yon Yon Wang is kind of a John Fox. He stems from the John Fox coaching tree of running the football and stopping the run. My my defensive guy, I think. Is uh, this is going to make you guys both roll your eyes likely? But Robert Ayers has been, I think Robert Ayers at this point has had more postseason sacks than he has in any regular season. Yes, three. He's tied for third in franchise history of postseason yeah. sacks. He has more than three sacks in his career. But no, but I mean, like any one season, I don't think he's had, I don't remember, he's probably had more than three sacks. In his yeah, yeah. But he's been good and clutch. He hasn't played in very many preseason games. I would say his ratio of sex to games is probably about three times higher. Without looking at the numbers, just a guess, it's probably about three times higher in the postseason than in the regular season. He steps up when it matters. He's had, he's had four, four postseason games, three sacks. This will be his fifth postseason game. Um, the other really interesting statistic is that Peyton Manning's postseason record is currently 11 and 11. Yeah, we got it back up. It was 9 and 11. It was emergency now, time, 9 and 1. So if Peyton Manning is able to come away with a win, he is now 12 and 11 and has a positive in the green. He has a positive postseason uh, record. Positive so, Super Bowl record, 2 to 1. Uh, yeah, it would be big for him to win this. Is this a legacy game for Peyton Manning? Does he. Does he cement himself as the greatest of all time with this? Does he just stay in the conversation? Ian, what's your take? The the amount of people who have who have said yes to that question has been surprising to me. It's never crossed my mind that this would, this would eliminate all doubt that Peyton Manning is the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, in my mind, I always thought he had to win this year and then win again next year, and then it was debatable. But... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that this one does it for him. You're always going to have a Joe Montana argument. You're always going to have a Tom Brady argument. And if it comes down to Super Bowls, if people want to be, if people want to talk about Super Bowl, then you know he's what two and one if, if he wins. You know, no one's ever won with two different teams though. No one's yeah. ever won this far apart in time and with two completely different teams. And you know, he last won in 2006. This is seven years later. I don't remember what years Montana won. He probably won about that many years apart. But just to bring back a completely different set of guys to this stage is remarkable. Mike Shanahan almost did it. I remember thinking in 2005 when the Broncos were getting ready to play in the AFC Championship game, this is actually pretty remarkable. This was pretty amazing that Mike Shanahan built another team that would get back to the Super Bowl when that was a rare accomplishment that no one had ever done. No one, no one has ever really... Done. Bill Belichick has now done it a couple of times. He's brought a new group of guys um, into the big game, but they lose. And he had the same quarterback. It's pretty rare to take two different quarterbacks to the big game. It's pretty rare as a quarterback to take, take two different teams to the big game. The only quarterbacks who have ever done it. Quiz Big Manning got this right. 
Do, do you know the answer, Ian? The other two quarterbacks have taken two different teams to the Super Bowl? I, I do. Um, one of them is a former Broncos quarterback, Craig yeah. Morton. Yeah. <laughs> and the other one's Kurt Warner. That was so yeah. that was so weird. That was so awkward at the press conference when the, the reporter asked him that. He was like, uh, are you quizzing me? Do you want me to tell you the answer? Because I know the answer. <laughs> yeah, and the whole crowd's laughing at her. Poor woman. <laughs> uh, hey, it's, it's media week. It's, it's silly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I think this is a legacy game as well. I, I Well, I think it's more so than you do. I think because of everything I just described, the fact that this would be Peyton Manning coming back with a different team and a different set of colors, with a different group of guys. If he wins it, to me, he's the greatest to ever play the game. And, I tr- and, I, and I'm trying to be objective when I say that. It's a combination of regular season stats and postseason wins to determine you know, quarterback greatness. I try not to judge quarterbacks by wounds alone. Like numbers are more important in the regular season, but when it comes to the postseason, it's a little bit more on the quarterback than anyone else. And if he wins two Super Bowls, two out of three, and he does it in that different times in his career, in the middle and then at the end again, um, it's kind of hard to argue. It, it's hard to argue at this point until somebody else like him comes along in the next five, ten years. Yeah. No. I mean, I mean just to clarify. I, I do believe currently that Peyton Manning is the greatest quarterback of all time. I'm just talking about undisputed, you know, really going to be impossible to make an argument against him. What do you think, Jan? If he wins the Super Bowl, is he the greatest of all time? He can't hear us. Um, okay. Oh, there we go. <laughs> uh, he's, he, he's already the greatest of all time. I think the conversation is just, I don't know, it's just – repetitiveness of just to say he's the greatest. I think you have an argument with Joe Montana. I think you have an argument with uh, Tom Brady. But if you bring those two guys up... <laughs> John Elway. <Ellie. laughs> John Elway. You got to talk about um, Terry Bradshaw. You know, like some other guys that just really don't deserve to be in the conversation have to come in. They didn't have point. the numbers. That's what I mean. Right. You have to add the numbers from the regular season in there, too. Mm-hmm. So, in my mind, the we talk about our Montana, Brady, L.A., Manning. That's about it as far as numbers and championships. And then that one guy from the 50s, I can't remember his name right off the top of my head. It's been so long, I can't remember his name. I always have to look it up. Peter King's always talking about him. He has a, YA Tittle? <laughs> he, has a, he has an argument. You know, he won a lot of championships and had Star Wars numbers for the time. And if you're grading against Pierce, he's actually right up there. Yeah. All right. Um... What else do we have to talk about? Super we Bowl have... prediction scores. How, how is this game going to go out? Jan, tell us, how does this game work itself out? Denver Broncos, Seattle Seahawks. Uh, 31-13. 31-13 in overtime? Not in overtime. <laughs> the Seahawks offense stalls and cannot do anything. I like the score, 31-13. Yeah, that was mean. And who you got? Um, I picked. I have nineteen to thirty-four Broncos winning. Of course, I don't think Seahawks can probably get two touchdowns out, and I think it's field goal city for the rest of uh, them and for the Broncos. It'll be four touchdowns and then two other field goals. I see a game similar to the two playoff games the Broncos won. I see them going up big by the fourth quarter. 
Michigan going into their prevent defense. The Seahawks making it a little interesting late in the game. I don't see the Broncos scoring a ton of points. I, I see it being a combination of offense and defense again. Um, I think a turnover late might make Broncos fans worry just a little bit. The Seahawks to get that one turnover that makes us sweat a little bit. And I see the Broncos winning by seven, 27 to 20, and becoming Super Bowl champions for the third time. The final question is, who is this win for? Pat Bolin is going to stand <laughs> up there. We've talked about it a little bit. This one's for John. The question is to you. I don't think he's going to say this one's for you. <laughs> that would be pretty cool if he said that, John. It's going to be for Champ Bailey. This one's for Champ. Yes. He's been there for 10 years. I think he, he deserves it. Yeah, I think um, it would be so great to say for Pat, but – I don't. What do, you, what do you call next season then? I mean, we win that one. That one that's for? it. I think that's it. And what you just said is what's going to happen. I think John Elway is going to hold that trophy up and say this one's for Pat. That's that's what I believe, and that's has, that has to be it. And man, will that be exciting? I think I don't know. It, it would be great, but I think next season's for Pat because Mr. Yeah, Bolin. You can't count on next season. You can never count on next season. You yeah. You say it. This one's for Pat. But that one, they said, that was the second Super Bowl win for the Broncos. They said, this one's for John. No, no, no. They said, this one's for John the first year. And then the first year? Yeah. The second time they won, he said, this one's for you, for fame. Uh, yeah. All right. So <laughs> we've got it. one. John's got one. It's Pat's turn. I mean, I, I would be happy with either Pat or Champ. I just have a feeling it's going to be Pat. This is just kind of the Pat Bowen deer. He was – you know, 300 wins as a coach, 30th year as a coach. He broke a lot of records this year. At, I'm, I'm sorry, as an owner. He means owner. Yeah, I meant owner. 300 wins <laughs> as an owner, 30th, you know, year as an owner. He's going to Super Bowl tied for the most times of any owner. Um, he's a great owner. Broncos fans are lucky. I think he deserves it. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, enjoy your Super Bowl. Kyle will be there. Stay on. Stay plugged into the Mile High Report the whole day because we're going to have nothing but great content for you along with, our, mute. Yes. along with our uh, our amazing community and enjoy the game go Broncos come on up. Down.